is Jen Wolf with Wolf Legal. And Steve Rausch with Capital City Law. And on this episode of Can't Take It With You, we're going to discuss community property. What does that mean? What are some of the misconceptions that a lot of our clients come in and talk to us about in terms of their assets and, and community property here in Idaho? So, Steve, let's start it off with what is community property? What does that even mean? So, community property is, first of all, it's a holdover from Spanish law, from from basically when Spain came in and occupied Mexico and some of these other territories here in the United States, there was this concept of community property. And community property then as the United States developed, you'll see community property actually applies mostly in western states. So you'll we're talking about California and Idaho and uh, Arizona and a lot of these western states. There's actually 10 jurisdictions in the United States that recognize some form of community property. And ironically, I'll just throw out there that I am licensed in three jurisdictions, and I have only practiced in community property states. So I can say for sure, Texas, California, and Idaho all abide by these rules. Yeah, all the and those are the biggest states in the country. And so the largest amount of, pop, well, Idaho, but California and Texas have a lot of population. And so when you look at it, there's a lot of the population of the United States that's actually subject to community property rules. The furthest east, Wisconsin, has a variation of community property, and Louisiana. But Louisiana is a whole different ball game because theirs is like this hybrid of French, British, and Spanish law, which is just gets interesting. So we'll avoid Louisiana. But when we're talking about community property, it is a area of the law where most married couples are actually somewhat confused as to how it works. Most married couples, if you were to ask them, they're going to say, oh, if my husband passes away or my wife passes away, the assets are going to automatically come to me as the surviving spouse under community property law. And the real asset that I find my clients get confused about there is their home. Yeah. Lots of confusion there. The real property. So there's a common misconception in that no community property does not mean that there's an automatic transfer from one spouse to a surviving spouse. We call it a presumption, meaning that under the law in Idaho, it's presumed that everything you acquire during your marriage is owned equally between the two spouses. And really the only time that we address it or deal with it is if we're going through a divorce proceeding or if we're dealing with estate planning, preparing some form of an estate through a will or a trust, or we're just dealing with assets and how to structure those. But when we talk about a presumption, that just means it's presumed. We actually have to have the physical transfer of assets when something happens. So what you're saying is if my husband were to pass away, I don't automatically, according to the real property records, own 100% of my house. Correct, because your husband, although he is deceased... That does not end his ownership unless we take an actual affirmative step, meaning there has to be a deed transfer showing the transfer of his community property interest to you. And what if before I was married, I owned my own separate assets and my spouse owned his own separate assets and we wanted to keep those assets separate once the marriage occurred? So most people have heard of doing a prenuptial agreement. A prenuptial agreement is a is a good way for you to be able to make sure that those assets stay as separate property assets. Because once you become married, there's those presumptions start to attach where we're, 
were um, believing that everything that you've acquired or owned that you've acquired during that marriage is owned between the two of you equally. But what really happens is is that unless you have a step that happens before the marriage, meaning an actual contract between the two of you that is keeping certain assets separate and then defining what assets are going to be community assets, as soon as you get married, as time goes along, those separate assets gradually transmute into community property assets. And one of the ways that that happens is as each spouse has income and they be, may be paying for certain things like a mortgage or they're combining their assets into a bank account or their income into a bank account where they turn around and pay mortgage payments, utility payments, those type of things. You're gradually starting to, over time, transmute your separate property asset into a community property asset. Now, you mentioned a, a premarital or a prenuptial agreement. What happens if I am the recipient of a inheritance after I'm married and it's my desire to keep those funds separate? What can I do then? That's a, it's a great question in that, the, again, when we're talking about a gift or an inheritance that comes from someone other, you know, outside of your marriage, that is a considered separate property that comes to you. If you want to maintain that as separate, then we need to take steps to keep it separate. For example, if it's a cash gift, then you would want to set up a separate bank account that is just has your name on it that it's going to transfer into. And then you don't ever commingle those funds, okay, so that there's nothing that they can, if we get into a situation that there can be an argument that somehow that was became a community property asset. But let's say it's a piece of property. Because that happens on occasion where a parent will say, well, I'm just going to gift a piece of property to my daughter or my son. Again, that ownership by deed, when it transfers by gift deed to you into your name, as long as that stays simply in your name and there's no financial assets that are used that are community assets to um, that are commingled to improve that property then you have the ability to say that that is a separate property asset. And I know that we on this uh, podcast have talked about trust-based planning. So if you haven't listened to our episode on what is a trust, go back and check that out. But Steve, if someone is doing trust-based planning and they want to move either separate property or their community property into a trust, how do they differentiate between what sort of property they're trying to move into the trust? And does it lose its character as separate property if you move it into a trust? So, again, that's a great question, and it goes back to the language of the trust document. When we're looking at the trust document, there should be some language that has been drafted into that trust document that explains how the character of the asset's going to be maintained when it comes into the trust. So oftentimes, Jen, in the trust that we draft, we will see that there is language that says if it's a community property asset when it transfers in, it maintains its community character. If, it become, if it's a separate property asset, it maintains a separate property character. And the parties are just agreeing through that contract that that asset is going to maintain its separate character. Um, and so that would be the best way when we're doing trust-based planning to just make sure that you are tracing it, that we know we understand what that asset is when it, before it went into the trust, so we understand what it's going to become when it goes into the trust. 
And I'll say at Wolf Legal, one of the ways that I think I really show the value to my clients of coming to talk to an attorney to do estate planning as opposed to trying to piece it together on their own is this conversation related to their home. Because I cannot tell you how many clients I have that come in and just sort of assume that on the passing of the first spouse, the second spouse will inherit the property. And as we talked about, that's not really how this situation works. But one of the things that we do when we have a will-based estate plan is we will draft a right of survivorship deed for our clients. So often in Idaho, when people purchase a home and if they're married, it will, the property will say on the deed, uh, husband and wife is community property. And what we do based on legislature here in Idaho, we have the ability between a married couple to change that deed to say husband and wife community property with a right of survivorship. And when we include that magic language in the deed, it makes it clear in the real property records that your intention as a married couple is that when the first spouse passes away, the second spouse is to inherit the entirety of that property. And so it's one of the ways that we can help you plan for not needing to go through probate on the passing of the first spouse. That's one of the planning tools that we have in our pocket. And it's a great, it is a great tool, and it's it's a relatively new tool that has come here to Idaho. I think it was in 2008 that that became part of the, you know, was passed through the through the legislature and became part of the real property transfer statute. And so, I know that other states have different types of deeds where we transfer assets and and take care of assets, but Idaho is a little bit unique in that. Unless you actually take that step of transferring that deed from a husband and wife deed to a community property with right of survivorship deed, if one spouse passes away, we're in a situation where it's not an automatic transfer. And so we want to make sure, especially with will-based planning, that you take that extra step. And so when you are working with your estate planning attorney, it's really important to have an understanding of what you own and how you own it, how that ownership interest can be traced, and to make sure that the quality of of that ownership continues in your estate planning. So like we said, if you have trust-based planning to make sure that you have earmarked how you want your assets to flow, and if you have will-based planning, thinking through how to make sure that your house can be owned in the way that you intend. 